0: You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. One of the things that I do outside of being a student pastor is I'm actually, uh, I work for Champion Christian College here, and uh, I teach the, I'm in charge of the sports management degree program and teach some of those classes. And then I'm the head coach of the men's basketball team. And so that, 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 that particular job uh, is, is very fun, and it's unique. i got a couple players here this morning that uh, are here in the service, and I'm just so blessed to be able to do that. And one of the things that we do over the summer uh, to keep the guys in shape, obviously I don't see every one of them all day. We have 25 guys coming in from across uh, the state and from uh, Texas, and uh, we have some coming from Oklahoma and Louisiana. And so uh, we try to keep them in shape. And so one of the things that we've done is we've told them to download. They've all had to download the Nike Run app. And so they download the Nike Run app. They join this club, and there's a challenge. And we've, we've kept it pretty simple, 25 miles in the month of July. And then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, add some more for the month of August. And then obviously when preseason comes, you've got a lot more conditioning. And so we put that uh, 25 miles uh, for the month of July in place. And, and as you would expect, obviously – uh, this is, happens with pretty much every young person. I think pretty, every per, pretty much every person in general is you always get the question, well, well what if we don't run the 25 miles, right? That's got it. I mean, if you don't have that question, you're not, you're not even living, right? So I said, well, that's a great question. If you don't run, what happens if you don't run the 25 miles? Well, uh, well first of all, you're not going to be in the shape that we would like you to be in, obviously, and you're cheating yourself, you're cheating the team. Okay, But if that's not enough for you, yes, you will, run, you will run a lot more when you get here on campus. And until you run and finish your running, you will not be participating in any basketball activities until that time. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll run the 25 miles then. So there's a lot of, uh, and, and th- that can be said about a lot of things, right? And what, what I want to kind of focus in on today is one word. Okay, one word. And that one word is if. If. That question, well, what if we don't run the 25 miles? Well, the, it, the word if introduces a conditional clause. That's in your notes there. If introduces a conditional clause. This word if is very important. Because if that word if is put before a clause... That's making that's making us aware that that clause, whatever is said, that's conditional. Right. Parents, uh, you you tell your kids all the time, right? Boy, if if you don't stop. This is going to happen, right? That's a condition or it may be positive. It may be, you know, for me and my daughter, uh, if she gets the, the grades that I'm hoping she gets in school, I'll put a positive conditional. clause: If you do this. I'll take you to Chuck E. Cheese, right? It's a real cool place to be a kid. So Chuck E. Cheese is the the blessing. That's the condition. But what's the condition? She has to get the grades for that to happen. So that word if is very important because it introduces a conditional clause. And interestingly enough, all throughout Scripture, and today we're going to talk about this today, there is a lot of conditions that God puts in our lives. There's a lot of conditions that God puts in our lives. You know, you know, that, that before I get started, I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying that obviously God uh, is a almighty sovereign God. And there are certain things that are going to happen and that he decides to do no matter what anyone else has to say or do about it. I mean, they can they can try their best to 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 veer away, and they can do their best to try to knock God off his path. But let me tell you, God can do anything but fail. And God is sovereign. He has the ultimate power. He has the ultimate authority. One word, and he created the entire galaxy. How many of you have seen the pictures that have been spreading throughout uh, about the new NASA James Webb uh, telescope, and you've seen the, the pictures? They can take, like, I mean, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, what in the world? Like, new pictures of Jupiter that are, like, so clear and, they can see, like, galaxies trillions of miles away. And I'm like, how, how do we have a picture that can see galaxies 20 trillion miles away, but our, our security camera can't see somebody 10 foot away? You know, I'm like, we got to make that. we got to work on that, right? But, like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, dude, God in one, he, he spoke word, just a couple words, and he created all that. God is amazing. He's all-powerful. And in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, I think it gives us a little bit of insight on this. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. You know, one of the things that I I do also is I teach a high school science class and, uh, I love teaching science. I feel like science is such a, a great faith-based, uh, you know, or can be. It should be, by the way, uh, a great faith-based subject. It's not. It's turned into something else. But uh, it, Gospel at Gospel by Christian School, we still teach. Uh, we still teach, obviously, a creation-based theory on God. And what we do is, I, I talk to my students, and I, you you often have the the question. And this is a very good question. I don't get mad at students who ask questions like this because I'm glad they are. I want them to ask questions because I want to be able to explain to them these things. And they'll say, well, who created God? How, how did God? I mean, God always existed. That's hard for us to believe. And I said, well, I said, there's two options. I said, something had to have existed all the time, right? And what, what a lot of evolutionists believe is that, you know, there was a gas that, that created everything. There, I mean, something, we all know that something can't be just coming out of nothing, right? This pulpit happened to be... It, it, there was something there that somebody built it and something had to have made that, right? Something can't come out of nothing. So you either believe in gas or you believe in an almighty God. I said, I'm choosing the almighty God, right? Amen. And so almighty God, he created the heavens and all of the earth and he made the things we can see. But he also made the things that we can't see. And, and I think so often as, as human beings, it's hard for us because we always want the physical but there's a spiritual realm. There are things that we cannot see that are also there. And they're very real. They're very real. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Well, wow, I, I, I'm so blown away. I'm overwhelmed. And, and, and the more I live and the more I see the goodness of God, I just I'm blown away. I really am. And God is sovereign. But what I want you to consider this morning is this. In God's sovereignty, he is sovereign. He is he is in control. He's he's over everything. He's he's all powerful. He's omniscient, but in God's sovereignty, he has chosen to to give humans a free will. And what I mean by that is we make choices. God knows our choices ahead of time, but just because God knows our choices, doesn't mean that he causes our choices. And this is what we call a conditional will of God. These are things that may happen depending on our choices. And, and, and you may say, well, how do we know this, Ma? Are you teaching something that's a little off? What do we. I want to go through scripture today, and I want you guys to consider this word if. And God uses it many times, but I want you guys to consider this word if, and I want you guys to understand that. There are certain things that God could do, but he won't. Do you all understand what I'm saying? He could do them. He can do anything. but fail. He could do these things, but God will not do these things. In fact, I could even argue that there are certain things that God wants that don't happen. Well, Mo, that's heresy. Well, I want you to read in Second Peter 3 verse 9. Look on the screen with me. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises. Some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Listen to this. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So he doesn't want everyone to be destroyed, and he wants everyone to repent. But guys, I can tell you this. Not everyone is going to repent. Right, you say that again? Siri. Come on now. No. No. He does not, so, so Matthew's, huh, Siri, come on now. We're breaking the, breaking the moment here. So not everyone is going to heaven. We know this. God tells us in scripture that not everyone is going to heaven. In fact, even, not even those who reject God, would you admit that there's a lot of people who are outward and outright rejecting God. But the Bible even says in Matthew 7:21 that not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. So although God wants everybody to repent, not everybody will repent. He has given humans a will, a free will. Here's a few other conditional verses that I want you to consider. 1 John 1, 9. But if, there's that word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He is saying that he's going to forgive every confessed sin. But if you do not confess sin, you will not be forgiven. It is important that it is very important that we as humans understand and God's people, we understand that God says there are some conditions to these things. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. This is powerful. This is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. That's a condition. That is, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. But if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. God does not forgive unless you forgive. Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's important that we don't throw away that if. You have to openly declare that jesus is lord you have to repent you have to you have to repent from your sins and you have to turn and believe on jesus in order for you to be saved there's that condition and so here's the big idea here's the big idea and i want you to write this down there are certain things that will only happen or will not happen completely depending on our actions does it mean that god cannot do these things no god can do anything but god will not or God will. That's the big idea. You know, I have often... You know, I, I, it begs the question, well, why didn't God just create robots? We will worship you, Father. Holy, holy, holy. We love you. You are amazing. He could have done that. And we could have all obeyed and we could have all done everything that was perfect. I think we as humans have messed a lot of things up, right? Would you agree with me that this world is pretty messed up? Because in our free will... We've chosen to turn away from God. God desires love. How do I know that? Well, his number one commandment in all of the Bible is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He desires our love. And you can't truly love without having a choice. A robot can't love without a choice. And God gave us that choice to love, that choice to serve, that choice to praise, that choice to forgive, that choice to repent, that choice to declare that Jesus is Lord. He's given us that choice. I want to read a passage of scripture, and this passage of scripture includes the famous verse in, in 2 Chronicles 7.14. And you know, if my people which are called, right, well, it's got that famous verse, but so many Times we, we don't read the passage before it and get the context. And so I want to kind of get some context in this verse. And so I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I do want to read some verses and explain what's going on here. So if we look together, it's on the screen, 2 Chronicles 7, we'll start in verse 1. And it says, When Solomon finished praying, I want to stop there and say, this is kind of a cool thing. The, the previous chapter, Solomon praised this amazing Unbelievable prayer. You can go back and read it if you want to in your Bible reading this week. He prays this prayer of thanks and and this prayer of praise to God and thanking him for everything that he's done. He's allowed him to finish this temple and all these things, and he's just like praising God. It's amazing. And when, when Solomon finished praying, listen to what God does. Solomon finishes praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Fire came down from heaven. Some would argue that our, our, our auditorium fire has come down from heaven. It's very hot in there. But thank God we have AC in here, right? And, and then it goes on to say that the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down, I mean, can you imagine this? Like, I just, I just can't believe this. There's fire coming down. From heaven, and when all the people saw this, the glorious pencil of fill in the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, "He is good; His faithful love endures forever." You know, I think about that, and I think about the, the 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 praise and the adoration and the and the just the raw emotion that they must have been feeling towards God at that time. And I, I wonder, does our praise services look like that? Just singing up here, I, I, I just. I, I just think about how amazing God has been. And you may say, well, well if I saw fire come down from heaven, I'd probably be bound down. In my... And I, thought, I think to myself, I see, I mean, I see fire from heaven, but I see God's goodness all around me. Every day, I just see how amazing God is. He blows my mind. Every day. Not like every now and like all the time. And when I see God's goodness, it should draw us to repent and just draw us to pray and just say, you are good. Your faithful love endures forever. Verse 4, then the king and all the people offered sacrifices to the Lord. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. Uh, sometimes I, just, I read things and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Wait a minute. That's 120,000 sheep and goats. That is a lot. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's like the entire city hot springs times four sheep and goats. Man, I mean, that's just unbelievable. I just, I don't know, I'm weird like that. I just get blown away by things like that. And, and and the priests and the Levites they created a major praise band. This is cool. They actually use the instruments. The Bible says that David created this is Solomon's son or Solomon David's son, right? And David created these instruments. And actually, the band, the praise band that they used, were using instruments made from David. It's pretty cool. It's just cool stuff. And and then it says this. It says that they for seven days they celebrate this big festival of shelters, which is interesting because uh, actually. Uh, the Jews still celebrate this today. It's a seven-day event that they feast and do all these different things. Obviously, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's still happening this day, very similar to what happened before. And people came from all over, from, from over 180 miles away with no modern transportation. I mean, like, who in here wants to get on a camel and hop over to Memphis right now? Like, that's a big deal, right? And so this is a big celebration And after the festival, Solomon sends everyone home, and verse 11 is here where we'll pick up. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord, as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Now, that one verse, you can kind of just throw it out the window, like in the sense of like, you read it, and you're like, oh, that's cool. But when you really take a moment and think about this, Solomon spent 20 years, 20 years building the temple and his palace. Seven years building the temple. 13, think about where you were 20 years ago. I mean, I'm 31 years old. I've been married for 80 years. I have two kids. They're, one of them since second grade. I've graduated college, got my master's degree, got my bachelor's degree. I've graduated high school. I mean, 20 years ago, I was 11. I, I, there's a lot of things that have happened. That's a long time, and it took Solomon 20 years to finish this temple. It's a pretty, it's a pretty intense thing. And what's about to happen? This is pretty, and this is where we want to get into. What's about to happen is Solomon and Israel were about to experience one of the most dangerous times in their life. After a period of of good times and success and accomplishment, that's a very dangerous period in our lives. You know, I tell my guys all the time in basketball, I'm like, it's not always how you handle the defeats. It's how you handle the success. Because when success happens, we get real content. And what normally happens when you have success? Pride, pride creeps in, and that pride just—it's easy to man. We've won ten games in a row. It, we're good. We don't have to work hard in practice. We don't have to, and we—we we so often see that in nations. Where a nation will have this unbelievable success and accomplishment, and things are so good, and and we start to think we've got this. We don't need to trust in God anymore. Oh, we're good. We don't need Him. Look at how amazing we are, and that's the most dangerous time in anybody's life and so this is interesting verse 12 then one night the lord appeared to solomon so he comes to solomon and he says i have heard your prayer and i have chosen the temple as the place for making uh, sacrifices look i've heard it and that was amazing and you saw my presence there and then god says but solomon at times i might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops Or send plagues among you. I mean, it's kind of a change of events. Like, this is all good and all this stuff. The festival. all And then God's like, yeah, but this might happen. And God's trying to tell Solomon that Christians are not immune to tough times. And that there's going to be tough times. And sometimes, most of the time, God's judgment and different things normally take place whenever we're content. And we don't realize our need for God. We just sang songs. Uh, uh, Pastor Jordan literally just chose perfect songs. Thinking about, we need God. The battle belongs to him. He, he is all powerful. We need, to, we need to turn to him. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. God is who we need to seek. And God's who we need to, to, to pray, uh, pray to. And God is, we need God in this country. And then God pulls out one of the most famous verses, especially when it comes to praying for our nation in the Bible. Verse 14. Then if. There's that word. If. This is a condition. This isn't, I'm going to do this. This is conditional. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. They pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Sometimes I think we just, oh, God's going to hear from heaven and forgive our sins and restore our land. If. If my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. That sounds like a great place to be. And then God warns Solomon in verse 21. We'll skip down to there. He warns Solomon about what will happen if they don't. Right? What if we don't run the 25 miles coach? Ah, Okay. God says, and though this temple is impressive now. All who pass by will be appalled. And they will ask. Why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be because his people abandoned the Lord. The God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt and they worshiped other gods instead and bowed down to them. This is why he has brought all these disasters on them. Here's my thought from this passage of scripture and you can write it down in your notes. Humility, prayer, and holiness. Humility, prayer, and holiness allow Christians to tap into this conditional will of God. God says, conditionally, if you humble yourselves, you pray, and you seek my face, and you turn from your wicked ways, I will bless you. I will heal your land. It's high time. It's high time, guys. Christians quit relieving ourselves for the accountability of our country. We love to place blame on a lot of other people. Well, I tell you what, if the president would do this and if the government would do this and if the homosexuals and if these people with the abortion rights and all, we, we always like to place blame. But I don't see in this verse where it says if the president will. It says. If my people. Us. If my people. Do this. God's condition of blessing a nation. Comes through humility, prayer and holy living. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that God can't bless. He can do whatever he wants. But it means that he will not. It means that he will not without these things. Jonah 3, 1 through 4. This brings a great, uh, another great story into mind. Jonah, he's already been swallowed by the large fish. And it says this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have for you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. And he went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, listen to this, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. God said, 40 days from now, Nineveh is gone. I'm destroying this place in 40 days. Now, if you don't know the rest of the story, in verse 10, we find out that God didn't destroy Nineveh in 40 days. In fact, interestingly enough, Nineveh lasted another 150 years. Why did God? He said he was going to, he said it. He said, go tell him I'm destroying him in 40 days. Why did he not destroy the city? And they lasted 150 years. Verse 10, when God saw what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways. He changed his mind. And he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. When, when his people humble themselves. And they pray. And they turn from their evil ways. God blesses. Here's my closing thought. Many people have given up on this next generation. And on another move from God in our world. Many people have given up on the next generation and on another move from God in our world. I'm the student pastor here at Gospel Light, and God's blessed me with that role. And I can tell you that many people have given up on the next generation and on another move from God in our world. They've just given up. Well, I kind of believe it. No, no, no. We've given up. How do you know that, Mo? Well, we spend a lot more time complaining than we do in prayer. I can promise you. And me included. I'm not trying to preach from like a pious standpoint. <laughs> in fact, I am—I am, I am the, the chiefest of sinners, if you will. I am—I am guilty as charged. We spend a lot of time complaining. These young people. Well, America's going to hell in a handbasket. No, no turning back. These limbs. we complain a lot. We don't pray for them. I, me included. Oh, uh, Just go back to the old days. Now, back in the day, we would have never had these kids. We like to talk about the old days instead of investing in the next generation. You know, Madhouse, our student ministry, and Kids Light, our children's ministry, and Many Lights, our, our, our toddlers and baby ministries, we have, we, we, we have great volunteers, amazing volunteers. But I can tell you right now, we are few and far between. And instead of complaining, maybe we can do some more prayer for these kids. Instead of talking about the old days, we can invest in these young people. It's so important to understand that this is our thought process, and we've got to turn from this. Can I tell you this from your your next-gen pastor, if you will? God can, and let me tell you, God will. God will move again. He just wants his people to humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways I, I i'm I'm passionate and i'm burdened tonight because I feel so I feel so so passionate for our young people. You know, I have two kids, seven and four, and so often I hear people talk about all the time I'm just so nervous about my kid's nation why well it's just it's going it's going really bad well. Have we started humbling ourselves and praying? Because it says here that God's going to heal the land that does that. Well, I don't know. Jesus is coming soon. Oh, that might be true. But I can tell you this. uh, I believe that God's going to move again. Why not believe that? Why not have that hope? Oh, well, God's just, don't don't worry about it. God's going to come. Well, how do you know? How do you know? Nobody knows the Bible says when God's coming back. God could come back in five seconds. He could come back in 20 years. He could come back in 100. Who knows? What we do know is that the nation who prays and the nation who humbles themselves and turns from their wicked ways and, and lives a holy life, that nation, God says, he's promised it, will be blessed. So how do we apply this in our lives? I'm a big application guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a teacher, and I'm like, you know, I don't care what kind of knowledge you know. Let's apply this, right? How do we apply this? Well, I've given you a little classwork, students, all right? I've given you a little classwork, and there's three things on your notes that say humility, prayer, and holy living. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to read off a few ideas and a few things that I think would be just things that have helped me, things that I've been working on in my life lately. And, And I want you to consider these things, but I don't want you to write these things down. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, during the invitation, during our altar call, I want you to consider the things that I'm saying, and I want you to consider in your own life one thing. Don't write down one thing that you can do to start applying this in your life. So let me me read off some things, and I'm going to give you some, some ideas here. Under humility, I put down, spend time just listening to others listen to listen to the young people young people listen to the older people listen to others accept your and other shortcomings realize that we're not perfect we can show humility in that we can be grateful when we're grateful it causes us to To be grateful for normally to other people. We're grateful to God. We're grateful for people. We're not not building up ourselves. We're realizing that God is good and that other people have helped us. What about this? Ask for help when you need it. It's a great way to show humility. Guys, we are terrible at it. I, I am so bad at asking for help. We think we can do it all on our own. And I know I'm not just talking about asking other people, human beings for help. I'm saying, why don't we ask God for help? God, we need you. Ask for others' opinions and feedback. These are just some of the things that I've been working on lately that has helped me with my humility and being humble, humbling myself. What about for prayer? Start a prayer group or, or get a prayer partner. You know, we have, we have prayer opportunities. Why not, why not have a prayer group or somebody you call? Maybe it's a husband and wife or maybe it's a friend. But start a prayer group, pray with somebody, make there be some accountability. What about this? Five minutes of no distractions. I've been trying to do this in the mornings. And uh, this is something that uh, it's difficult sometimes when you have, have young kids. But I've been trying to wake up and I go downstairs and I just sit at the I'll, I'll make a cup of coffee or tea and I'll sit at the table. And I will, I will just try to no phone. Sometimes I'll, 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 I'll tell you in a second in an idea that I had. But, but, but sometimes I'll just try uh, five minutes of no distractions. And then every now and then I'll get like three minutes and 30 seconds into it. And then I hear MJ running down. And, I want fruity pebbles with marshmallows. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but five minutes of no distractions. of Just prayer. Set a reminder on your phone. Set a reminder on your phone to pray. Maybe, maybe, maybe it, maybe throughout the day. And it doesn't have to, guys, can I tell you this? It doesn't have to be long prayers. Jesus' prayers in the Bible, most of them were very short. The Lord's prayer, you can say in 20 seconds. He said, pray like this, 20 seconds. Well, God, don't you want me to pray for like an hour? No, I want you to pray like this. Hey, hey, most of Jesus' prayers were quick. It it, it can be a reminder, up 8 8 p.m., I'm going to pray for this child. Up 9 p.m., I'm going to pray for my wife. Uh, 10 p.m. or 10 a.m., I'm going to pray for so-and-so. Uh, I'm going to pray for the nation. Here, I'm going to pray for our leaders. I'm going to pray for our pastor. How often do we forget to pray for our pastors? They're falling left and right in our country because nobody wants to pray for them. Satan's attacking. These aren't perfect people. Set a reminder on your phone. Pray. We've got to apply this. Pray by giving thanks. Pray in song. I love this, uh, I, 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 uh, I started doing this every now and then, I'll break up my phone, and you know how your phones. Uh, if you have an iPhone, if you have an Android, sorry, I don't know how it works, but if you have an iPhone, uh, you can play like slideshows, and it plays slideshows of, of, of pictures, and I'll, what I'll do is, I, um, you can, uh, I'll play a song, uh, uh, song in the background, like a prayer song, you know, uh, there's that, that new song on K-Love, I, I can't think of the name of it right now, but I was telling Daddy about it the other day, it's an amazing song, and it's just prayer over people, and it's praying praying, blessing over them and things of that nature. And I just watch and I look at pictures and I just sing that song. And I pray blessings over my students. I pray blessings over my, my players. I pray blessings, blessings over my family. And whoever pops up on that screen, I'm just praying blessing. And I'm praying protection. And I'm, praying, I'm just praying that God works in their life. Just pray. Pray for people. Pray in song. And in holy living, I, I just put on there, stop. Just stop. Some of us are so busy, we don't even think about what we're doing. You get done with your day, and your wife's like, what did you do? And I "I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I can't even remember. Just stop. Be mindful of what you're doing, and obey God's word. How shall a young man stay pure? By taking heed to God's word. Guys, I don't know about you, but I am very, very tired of coming to church and hearing God's word and being stirred. I was telling uh, uh, our pastor, uh, Pastor Scott, uh, he's in, in, in uh, Indiana preaching at another church there. And he texted me and was just praying. I said, and, and we were talking about how we're just praying that God would quit uh, convicting people uh, and, and just uh, allowing them to forget it 15 minutes later when we're wondering what we're going to eat for lunch. I'm tired of coming to church, being convicted, and then there being no change. We need application, guys. We need action. And, 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 and although God, yes, of course, he is, he is the one who does everything. He is, he is the one who fights our battles. He's amazing. He's all powerful. But guys, there's conditions to him working. We read them in scripture. And until we humble ourselves. Until we pray, until we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways and we live holy lives, his people, until his people do that, we are just wasting our time. We're wasting, we're wasting our time, we're wasting money, we're wasting everything in this life until we do these things. And you know what's interesting is, Satan has got us to believe that it doesn't matter. (laughs) One church, one church isn't going to change anything. I can't, listen, guys, gospel light can't, can't be the start of revival in the world. He's got us to believe that. He's got us to believe that, that really what we do doesn't matter. God's going to do whatever he wants to do, and although that may be true, we know that there are conditions that God has put on us. Are we willing to obey? I am, I am asking as a student pastor, and as somebody who wants this next generation to, to, to have a country. We're talking about praying for our nation, right? Having a country that they can grow up in and that they can be, see the blessings of God over this country. I want that for my kids. I hope you want that for yours. I hope you want that for your grandkids. And if we really want it, we got to quit complaining. We got to quit acting like, okay uh you know whatever this is going to be fine and we'll we'll just let it go if we will humble ourselves and take action and say you know what it's not about what we do but we know we need god we're going to him in prayer so as the worship band comes up and as we start to get into our our closing thought i just i just want you guys to consider this application in your life and while they sing listen to this and i and i mean i don't want to sound mean i don't want to sound I don't want to sound like somebody who's like, you know, trying to, I just, I don't want you to stand and sing until you write these three things down. At least on your heart. Doesn't have to be on paper. Even though I feel like on paper it gives you that accountability and you might remember it. But don't stand and sing that we want God to move until we start to apply it. I don't want to be hypocritical anymore. I don't want to say I want God to move again until I start humbling myself. And praying more. And turning from my wicked ways. I'm don't. I. I I'm tired of it personally. And I've I just got to believe that there's a people in gospel light that are feeling the same way. And so during this song, I want you to consider these three things. Write something down, personal. Something that you can apply. And you can say, I'm going to be humble in this way. I'm going to try to pray in this way. I'm going to try to live a holy life in this way. I'm going to change this about this. Or I'm going to... Step up and do this. And I want you to write three things down. And then after you're done writing those three things down, I just want you to pray and I want you to ask God to allow you to remember and to do these things. God, keep me accountable. And when you're done with that, let's pray and sing. So I'm going to pray over you guys. I'm going to pray over you guys. And I, and I, as I pray, I want to ask that that you guys Don't allow me to have this passion for you greater than you have this passion for yourself. Because I want, I desire not only this for myself, but I desire this for gospel light because you are my family. You are my church family. I want to go on this journey with you guys. I want to see God move and I want to see God change the world through gospel light and hot springs. I'm not worried about any other church at this point other than right here. You guys, you got, we live life together. We've gone through tough times and bad times. We pray for each other. We love each other. Let's challenge each other to live this life. And you know, it's a lot easier sometimes. It's a lot easier to, 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 to humble ourselves and pray and, and live a holy life when we have that accountability. So let's apply this to our lives. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for this church. Your church, Gospelite, is so amazing. The church of Hot Springs, the church of the, the universal church, God, you, you, you've, you've put your power in every one of them, but we know that this is the local church that you ordained. And in this church, God, I pray that you would allow us to quit turning to our own power. We repent, we, we are sorry for just everything that we think we can do this on our own. I'm sorry for being a pastor that thinks that we're going to be okay without you. And I know I may not have said that, God, but you know my heart and I've been so prideful. And I know that we have a lot of good people here who want to see revival in our country. We want to see you move again in this country. We, 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 I know, we. I believe that with all my heart, but until we start uh, repenting and humbling ourselves. God, I know that nothing will happen because you won't let it happen. We're, we are calling and we're claiming your promise this morning. We're claiming your healing on our land. We're claiming that you will be there and bless this country again. You will be here so that we can be a light to the world once again, that we can be a blessing, that we can start uh, getting a passion for missions I know, God, that, that we have a shortage in missions account right now. That's gonna, you're going to change that. Because we're going to have a passion to see this world, to come to know you. God, please give us that passion, that zeal, that energy to quit just going through our mundane days. And thinking that everything else matters when nothing matters other than what eternally matters. And we, I pray that you'd allow us to see people's souls. That you'd allow us to, to see people for who they are in you. And, how, and God, forgive us of thinking that we can do this on our own. We love you. And we ask that gospelite today as a whole, corporately, God, I pray your blessings over these people. I pray that your protection would be over these people. But most of all, God, I pray that you would allow us to recognize our need for you. Humble us. Humble us. Whatever it takes. I know that's a dangerous prayer. But humble us. Convict us. Change us. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray.